Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. I'm Mike Vardy, and this is the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vardy, and I have a guest I've been trying to get for a long time on the show today because it's somebody I've wanted to have a discussion with for a long time. Carl Poulin is with me today. He is a personal productivity specialist. He's a presenter and author of Your Digital Life and Working With Todoist, the book. And I've been following Carl's work for a while now. He's got a lot of great content out there, video, written, all that stuff. And just to be able to sit down and chat with him about productivity and nerd out about it, not just apps, but just productivity philosophies in general was a was a great thrill for me. And uh, I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation with you. So let's just get to it. Here's my conversation with Carl Pulleen here on the Productivityist Podcast. I'd like to welcome Carl Pulleen to the Productivityist Podcast. Carl, thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you very much for having me, Mike. Uh, you know, this has been a long time coming. You know, we've, we've uh, crossed paths online many, many times. We live in the same community in terms of the productivity space, although we live very far away <laughs> when you, when you talk <laughs> yeah. about the actual global space. Um, mm-hmm. Before we dive, there's some things I want to definitely touch on, but uh, mm-hmm. let's just get a bit of background for people who don't know much about you. I mean, I know, uh, uh, you know, from seeing you in the community, uh, mm-hmm. the productivity community in particular, what, you know, about you, but for those in my audience that don't know who you are and, and how you got to be in the productivity space, can you share that with them? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, I, I currently live and do live in South Korea, which I've been here now for 16 years now. But I originally come from the UK. And um, my background in the UK was I actually studied law and did a little bit of legal work before discovering after about six years of studying law that actually working in an office doesn't work for me. Uh, so I needed some time out and that's why I came to Korea to teach English actually in the early days. And, um, after about eight years of working for a language institute here, I set out on my own and developed my own, um, kind of executive communications company. So I, I train business executives over here in presentations and meetings and negotiations and that sort of thing. Um, now when it comes to productivity though, that's something I've been interested in. I I calculated probably since I was in middle school because mm. I was one of these guys who used to get a piece of paper and, and do out these detailed revision timetables before the exams. And I always kept my exercise books perfectly organized. <laughs> and it just kind of 
went from there. And, you know, now we're living in the digital age. Well, it's like kind of a heaven for me now is that there's always something to be doing. And I'm always trying to get that little bit more efficient and more, I hate the phrase more productive. It sounds very, it sounds very like inhuman. Yep. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. I tend to think of it in terms of, I want to make myself to be the most effective I can. Um, and so time management, productivity, whatever you want to call it, um, it's just something I find fascinating. And that's really where I'm coming from. So let's talk about word choice, because I think this is something that you and I can both nerd out about for a while. So, um, you know, you don't want to say productive. I get that. Because, I mean, even though uh, Productivityist is the name of the podcast, the show, uh, people call me the Productivityist. The, the the idea of what productivity is, especially personal productivity, is I think it's so um, it's subjective, but I think it's it's kind of been um, you know abducted in a lot of ways. In that the term you know, productivity in Canada for a lot a lot of people means just like how much do, can people make, like you know like gross domestic domestic product that kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas in the United States, uh, generally people think about that in terms of how many things they get people get done, tasks, to do lists, all that stuff. But mm. the the point of saying you know I want to be more productive. Um, what, what do you define productive as? Like, if you're going to take that word and you're going to say, what does productivity or what does productive mean to you? What does it mean to you? Well, the problem for me is that when I come across the word productive, I think of machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, where, that's where I have a problem with the word productivity and productivity, produ- being productive in its own is because I know that as human beings, we're not machines. Right. And one of the things that I figured out is, you know, over a period of a seven-day week, I probably have maybe five days where I I can say, yeah, I've been productive. But there's two days where no matter how hard I try, my brain is just not wanting to go there. Right. And I've read a lot of books on this. And, you know, we've got this conscious mind and uh, subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of figured out that on those days when I'm not being productive, um, my subconscious brain is working overtime. And, you know, when I wake up the next morning, I am dumping ideas that suddenly have flown up, you know, come up over the night. And I'm sure there's some science been done into this. I mean, I'm no psychiatrist or psychologist, but um, I'm sure, as I say, I've read a lot of books on this and there there seems to be some science to say that we have a a conscious and a subconscious mind. And usually when our subconscious mind is working, it's solving all those problems that we've been thinking about over the whatever last few hours or days. So, you know, as I say, human beings are not machines. So that's going to happen. You're going to have good days and bad days. So for me, the word product being productive is maybe it's just because I grew up thinking that's a machine. Right. Um, But it's just a word that I I know we all use it. And yeah, okay, I'm all right with using it. But I think in terms of what we're trying to do, it's about really being more effective and getting the really important stuff done. Yeah, see, I mean, people who follow me, and you know this, is that I think productivity is about intention and attention. Mm-hmm. I think that I think effectiveness plays a role, for sure. But I think that when we start to put efficiency and effective, that can, I'm not saying that's not inhuman, but it tends to be a bit more clinical. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I'm yeah, not, yes. I'm not, I, I, and this is what I mean when it comes to being a word nerd. Like one of the posts I posted recently, uh, when I, as of this recording, was like why it's okay to be busy. Uh, because mm-hmm. busy is not, it's what are you busy about, right? Like a lot mm-hmm. of people throw these words around without really thinking about them. And would you, mm-hmm. would you say that, you know, your time spent in the space, and we're going to get into the app stuff in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you, how much time do you spend literally thinking about, you know, time and time management as, you know, as a, as a strategist, as a, maybe even a philosopher in this space, what, like, do you spend how much of your time do you spend just kind of ruminating and then trying to kind of break down some of the the aspects of you know time management and for lack of a better term productivity? I, I to be honest, I, it's probably difficult for me to calculate because it's always it's on my there. mind. <laughs> yeah, it's there. Okay. <laughs> so the thing is, is that I'm on a bus or I'm on a uh, on a train going to one of my clients or something. And the ideas can suddenly hit me. I mean, I've stood in front of elevators and missed my elevator because I'm <laughs> quickly capturing an idea that I've been developing in my mind for the last, say, 30 minutes. And, you know, this is where we we're talking about apps in a moment, but this is why I, I have Evernote set up. So it's so quick for me to capture mm-hmm. these ideas. And, you know, at the end of the I actually process my Evernote at the end of the week. Um, and when I'm going through, I'm thinking, oh, wow, that idea. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to be honest i i would say that i am thinking about it pretty much constantly and i'm observing people as well i mean i work in a culture that's um um comes from a confucius background mm-hmm. so it's it's more about um more in in asian cultures it's not just korea because japan and china are very similar to this too it's it's more about the 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 group working together and whereas, say, we come from a culture that's more individualistic, and here I'm, I'm constantly seeing, like, thinking, why are you doing it that way? That's the hard way. And so I'm always analyzing how other people are working, too. Right, right. Actually, this is a really interesting, because, I mean, when you start thinking about things, you start to think about things in a different way, like hard edges. I'm going to link into this post now. I, You've mentioned hard edges, and I and I dove into it particularly because I talk about edges as well. You know, when it comes mm-hmm. to routines and, and and frameworks, is like start from the edges. Can you talk mm-hmm. about what you mean? Uh, and I'm referring particularly to the post about hard edges and single app. What do you mean by hard edges, and and how can people leverage those so that they can avoid getting caught up in this idea of doing productive instead of being productive? Yeah, well, the hard edges for me is that, um, you know, applications are built for specific purposes. Now, most most people who know me, I, I'm a big to-doist user. Yep, as that's am I. My to, yep, that's my big to-do list application. Now, Evan, uh, to-doist is a brilliant to-do list manager, but it's not a great note taker. No. I mean, you can do it, but it's not great. And if you start filling it with all your notes as well as all your tasks, it's going to become a real mess. And it's going to be very difficult to figure out what do I need to do next? What, you know, in David Allen speak, what's the next action? Um, and then you come across Evernote, for example. Evernote is a brilliant note taker. It's probably the number one out there, I guess. But it can also do to-do lists. But it isn't built to do to-do lists. And, you know, what I've always felt is you need to use the tools that they're designed for. I mean, technically, you could play tennis with a squash racket. But would you do that? Right. <laughs> um, 
And then again, it comes like with calendars. I, I suppose actually with Todoist and in Nevernote, you could theoretically build some kind of like date reminding system too. But they were not built specifically for that. A calendar does that, you know, a hundred times better. So this is what I mean about hard edges. For your events, you use your calendar. For your notes, you use a specific note app. And for a to-do list manager, you use a, you know, a to-do list manager. What you choose is entirely up to you. And that's, you know, that's one of the wonderful things of this system, of the world we live in today. But um, I've seen so many people saying, oh, I want to build the perfect GTD system in Evernote. And yeah, I suppose you could do it, but it's going to be very difficult to maintain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and that's one of the things that, you know, people, you know, there's, there's something to be said for using, having more apps, but have them do the one thing well that they do. You know, mm. I mean, uh, when people say Evernote's a ta- or even a calendar, and you you and I are on the same front with this, is a calendar is meant for one particular thing, and a to-do list is meant for something completely different. Um, they complement each other, and there's some crossover, but you know you need to make sure that they work together. Not and and when you try to combine them into one, you can get into this, you can get confusion happening, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, and it becomes a real mess. Yeah, it does. It does. Because then then what happens is when you get confused, then it and actually this leads in nicely into the, the idea of choice is mm-hmm. once you once you start to run into that issue, then all of a sudden you, you've got choices. And the problem with too many choices, and, and I've talked about this in talks before, and I know we've got a blog post here from you as well. The problem with too many choices is that nothing happens. Yeah. It does. And, uh, you know, my big thing at the moment is I've seen on a lot of the communities I'm following at the moment is the app switching. Oh, that's one <laughs> of the reasons I stopped writing about apps. And the reason I yeah. stopped. So I know you and, you and Francesco in particular are, are and, and you guys are doing great work in this area where you're, you know, and I know that, you, I mean, Fran, Francesco definitely dives into more of the apps than you do. There's no question. Mm-hmm. But I, after I wrote Do Better with Asana with Jeremy Roberts, and I was doing a lot more app-based stuff on my site, just the the churn, not just of the people that are going back and forth to different apps, but also the fact that the apps wrote, you know, they changed their UI and all that. It made it very challenging for me to keep up. But to your point, which I, I definitely want to talk about, is especially your challenge for for that you've you've taken upon uh, sharing with people, which I absolutely love, um, mm. is that people they think that it'd be like being a golfer. Or, or even, you know, being a tennis player, like you're saying, and you, you say, okay, you know what? The squash racket's not good enough. It's clearly not the right, I can use it, but it's not good. So instead I'm going to use um, a Nike tennis racket. Oh no, you know what? Reebok makes one. Oh, you know what? These are... And your game doesn't change. In fact, if anything, no. you're like, oh, I have to get used to the grip of this racket now. You know, mm-hmm. the best tennis players in the world could pick up a, the, the, the most rudimentary racket and they would destroy you in a game. Because it's Absolutely. not about that, right? It isn't. You know, I, um, a, couple, a couple of years ago, I, I was fortunate. David Allen was visiting Seoul, and uh, I reached out to him, and we had lunch together. Mm-hmm. And we, we actually talked about, the, you know, apps. <laughs> um, he's long most, been a proponent of who cares what app. Yeah, but you know what? He's been using the same app, eProductivity, I think he said from since 1997. Yep. eProductivity. Now, I know he did have a play with... OmniFocus a few years ago. And intentional software. He was going to actually work with intentional yeah. software to build mm. a GTD, or, and it never really... And, and when I chatted with him about it, mm. I mean, it, and he even said this in the... I mean, when the news was out there, he said that it was 
they came to him and if they could make it work, he thought it would be great, but Mm. go on continue. But yeah, he's definitely played. I mean, there's now a to do as GTD guide too. So there you go. Yeah. 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 Uh, But the thing is, I I noticed that, well, he's obviously that's nearly 1997, but it's 20 years isn't it? it's over 20 years. Um, I I heard recently that Michael Hyatt has been using Nobis. Nosby. Nosby. He's been using Nosby yeah. for a long time too. Yeah. 10 years. Yeah. 10 yep. years. And uh, I know David Sparks has been using OmniFocus, I think from day one. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, all the top productivity people, the people who are genuinely putting stuff out there and being, <laughs> using the word again, product, being very productive, um, but being noticeably produ- productive, they're not switching apps. No. You know, no, they've I got mean, a system and it's working and, you know, you know, you know, the old saying is if it's not broken, don't fix it. Well, and, and the thing is, is I use Todoist and Asana for very particular reasons. And mm-hmm. yeah, things comes out with a new version and it's beautiful. It's gorgeous, but well, it I'm, not yeah, gonna sw- it. I'm not going to I'm not going to switch. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> you know, I mean, because I the, the reasons I use Todoist are for collaborative purposes. So mm-hmm. things doesn't give me that option, right? Um, exactly. it, it, now, now I'm actually working with some clients who are using things for their own purposes, and then using a, you know Asana or Trello or whatever for their for their group purposes, and that's fine because it's intentional. But the yeah. thing is, if you are switching, and we see this a lot, and I mean, I'll call it out in in some of the Facebook groups that that you and I both dwell in, is we see like, mm. what about this app? What about this? This I was using this app, but I don't like it, so I'm going to use it. Look, stay, stay if you. It'd be like, uh, it, it, <laughs> you're telling me I'm frustrated. It'd be like if you had a car and you you had to drive on a particular these particular roads and the road wasn't necessarily working for you, you mm-hmm. would choose a new road. You wouldn't, you mm-hmm. just can't throw the car out. You no. know, and I think a lot of people, they feel, well, this isn't working, so let me switch to this. There's no app is perfect. You mm-hmm. have to bring the framework into it. The, the approach before the application is what's needed. And I think that that we also, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, we also tend to make things more complicated, not complex, but complicated than we need to. Because there are things that Todoist, for example, can use, uh, can mm-hmm. do rather. Like you can literally use filters and labels and you have an amazing, uh, most of my coaching clients that I work with use Todoist. You can mm-hmm. create your filtered list can become a custom like to-do list for you that basically mm-hmm. can guide you every single day. And, and I talked about this when, when Francesco did the video of it, what are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah. On, what are your thoughts on, on, on like working within and to do is the great example, but using leveraging the heck out of the tool before you decide that you're going to throw it out. Well, that, that was the thing that um, I, I absolutely love about to do it. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for OmniFocus. I have mm-hmm. in the past. I think yourself as well have been OmniFocus user. I did, I did a talk for them when OmniFocus 2 came out, and I still yeah, love I where remember the guys it, are doing. Yes, I remember it, yeah. And you know, the thing is, is that um, OmniFocus was absolutely fantastic because I was using perspectives. I think most yep. you know, hardcore users, perspectives, I set up my own views. Uh, the problem I had with OmniFocus in, uh, was because I realized that that's what I was spending a lot of time doing, trying to find the perfect view. Right. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I actually switched to Todoist. Now, the thing about Todoist is it's not quite, the filters are not quite as powerful as the uh, perspectives. But what I really wanted to do, in, and I have done, is I created my own workflow. And I actually did a video on it recently, was creating the workflow. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Um, 
Yeah, and um, you know, I noticed with your video with Francesco, essentially you're doing the same thing. You've got yep. a workflow. You start at the top and you work your way down. And yep. For me, is that's one of the most fantastic things I love about Todoist. And I'm sure <laughs> I don't play around with that many apps, but I'm sure you can do exactly the same thing in most of the other apps, which is actually my point. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, all these apps. Once you could, you, you could do it in a bullet journal. Them, you could do it in a yeah. bullet journal if you want to. <laughs> Exactly. You know, if you spend the time, like, you know, my, my challenge to people was one app for one year. Yep. You know, one note app, one app to-do list manager, one calendar for one year. Stick with it for one year. Uh, because the idea behind that is, isn't really just to get people to stick with one app for one year. It's just get them to really learn the app. Mm-hmm. You're not going to learn much in a month on an app because no. these apps, you know, there's a lot of depth into these apps. Yep. Um, but the beauty for me is now we to do is I know all the short, uh, keyboard shortcuts. Um, mm-hmm. My filters are set up exactly how I want. So I start the day off with my objectives and then I move into my today view. And, and, and it's the little things too, like figuring out that labels, if you make your bottom label a color and you're sharing a project with someone, that the colors, the, the labels that show up below that in the muted gray are not yours and you can just delete them. Like it's just those little mm. things that yeah. you're only going to get if you spend time in the app, right? You're only yeah. going to understand that if you, you know, it's like anything else, it, you know, it's competency, then confidence, right? And people Absolutely. people don't let that that sit. They say, oh, well, I'm going to try TickTick instead. Nothing wrong with TickTick, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not for me. Trello, same thing. Asana, same thing. OmniFocus, things. I mean, you could run the gamut with apps. And in frankly, we see it a lot in the communities where it's like, oh, you know, there's this app, this new app, this. We don't need new apps. We, in, all, no. in some cases, we don't really need new frameworks either. In fact, what we probably need is people to take what we need is we need a new approach to when you get a framework to say, OK, how can I take elements of, you know, getting things done and Covey and, you know, I'll plug time crafting and all these other things and mm-hmm. make them work for me. So and then put them inside an app that can work for me and just make that and just run with that for an extended period of time, because like you said, you're not going to know. But the problem is, when you write about this, the front end work, people don't do the front end work. Why? No. Why do you think that? I mean, I know the answer, but this is more to drive home for the people listening. Like, why? Why is it so important? And why don't people do it? Do you know, I think it's because of that desire. You know, it's, it's I suppose it's human nature, really, because we always like the shiniest, latest yep. toy. Mm-hmm. And the framework and the front end work that you have to do to set, as, as you know, to set those in place. Uh, that's the boring part. Yep. Or it's it's, te- <laughs> it's tedious. Like, I mean, it's the same thing when you get a new phone. People yeah. let the phone dictate what the defaults are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I've never switched to Android, actually. I've always yep. used iOS simply because if I switch to Android, I know it's going to be a week, a month, maybe six months learning a whole new system. Mm-hmm. And I really don't want to waste my time doing that. I'd rather s- stick with the, the the iOS that I know. And so that if I do upgrade my phone, when I upgrade my phone, it's just a, it's so easy. It's just an hour of just making sure everything's set up right. And that's it. And I'm back on track. But if I switched over to something like Android, oh, oh I would have a nightmare. <laughs> and the thing is, it would be disguised. That's the other thing is a lot of people, they move to new tools and it's just the shininess is, is the thing that disguises yeah. the, the, the work that's going to lie underneath it. Right. And, and, yeah. and, and as we get close to wrapping up, because I know you and I could talk for a long time and I definitely want to have you back on the show because there's, just, indeed. <laughs> there's so many things we could dive into is, <laughs> 
what what's your long-term plan? Like you must, as somebody, and I mean, you go through your blog archives, you're, you know, you've got, you're putting plans in place. Like what, what do you want to, like, where is Carl in, you know, we're, we're, this episode's airing, you know, mid 2018. Mm-hmm. And where are you, like, where are you headed with this? There's lots of stuff. You got courses, you got all that stuff. Like, it sounds like you've got this path that you're heading down. And, and is it kind of, you're kind of seeing where 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 it takes you, or you've got a specific you know map that you're laying out. Like it, it'd be interesting to hear because there it's a crowded space. I mean, it is. what's but what's great is that and I used to talk about this with Michael Schechter is that when when I got into it, the space was you know Merlin Man and all those. I mean, it was mm-hmm. I, I, it was crowded then, but not as crowded as it is now. But the people who were um, like Merlin is still involved in it, but not not to the same degree that he was. I mean, he never, mm-hmm. I think he wanted to get out of that anyway. And and so I mean, what's where where do you see yourself going with this? And 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 so that you know people know a where where they can expect you to go, and b then ultimately we want to find out where they can where they can run into you and, and keep up with your work. Well, one of the things that I really want to do is um, I've looked at um, Tony Robbins and I've looked at uh, Brian Tracy. Mm-hmm. And I love what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Now, Brian Tracy, I think he's in his 70s now. Tony Robbins is in his late 50s. Yep. You know, I've got a decade or two decades. I'm younger than them. Yep. So I want to be the next generation of them. And I know that sounds like a huge goal because it is. Those guys are the top, top, top of the field. They are. Um, not just in terms of productivity or time management or whatever or, or getting your act together, but also in motivation work and stuff like that, which I do dabble in, but because goal setting to me is all part of the whole system. Um, but, you know, ultimately that's where I want to go. I never want to retire. I love what I'm doing. And that's one of the things I had um, a discussion with, with uh, I think Francesco recently. It's, it's about the process. I just love Mm-hmm. you know, putting the videos together, doing the podcast, writing the blog post. I love that whole process. Um, but ultimately I want to be, uh, you know, on the international speaking, t- uh, circuit, um, cause I love travel so I can put the two together. And, you know, one of the things I, I found when I came to Korea and I started teaching, that was what I suddenly discovered, if you like my calling. And I never considered that at all in my twenties or whatever. It was only when I came here and so when people say, why career? I said, well, career completely changed my life because it opened my eyes to what I actually really wanted to do, which mm-hmm. was teach. And this is why I feel so, so lucky because I'm doing something every single day that I absolutely love doing. And that's ultimately where I want to be is I want to be doing um, not just teaching in career, but teaching on a global scale. Well, um, productivity and um, time management or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> That's what I want to be doing. Well, you're well on your way, Carl. You're doing some great mm. stuff. Where can people find you and your work online so that they can that that world renowned Carl Pulling can <laughs> can find can people will start that that can start today and it's already <laughs> I mean even more so than it already has. Well, I mean everything that I do is is put uh, is always on my website. So the best place to find me and what I'm doing, like my YouTube videos, my blogs, even my online courses, books, everything's on there. It's carlpauline.com, but I'm sure you put that in the show notes. It's there. So, it's there. Yeah. But Pronounced that's where, correctly and everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yes. But that's ultimately where they can find me because everything I do is put there as much as anywhere else. So they can find everything they need from there. And and Carl's going to stick around for three more things. So those of you that are members of the Productivityist community, 
you can catch uh, more of what we're going to talk about. Uh, and he's made a pact to stick around. So I think he knows what three of the things I'm going to talk to him about are. Uh, so uh, thanks so much, Carl, for joining me today on the Productivity Podcast. And we will have you back on again really, really soon. Please do. Yes. <laughs> Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you it'd be a great conversation whenever I get the chance to talk to someone who is really deep into personal productivity like me, and we can kind of nerd out about it, you're always going to get some really great stuff, some stuff that, you know, either we completely agree on or some slight variations, but nonetheless, just a great time. And I'm looking forward to talking to Carl again in the future, and I hope you'll join me for that. I hope you'll join me for next week's episode as well. But before you leave, don't forget to check out the show notes. And if you are a member of the Productivityist community, you can get access to bonus episodes, not just of me talking to Carl, because we talked about three more things, but I've talked to a whole bunch of people about a whole bunch of other things up to this point. So you can check that out. Go to productivityist.com slash membership, and you can learn more about that. Thanks to John Polster for producing this week's episode. Thanks to my team for putting together the graphics and the show notes. And thanks to you for listening. Until next time, I am Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivity is Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.